Well, today we mark and give thanks for the Reformation. It's a day that happened a little over 500 years ago, like we've said when Martin Luther and others said, enough was enough. The church had changed, the church had been strained from the truth, and they rose up and said, this can't happen. The church had been wandering from the Word of God and was not worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth, like we're called to do in John chapter 4. Instead, at the time, the mission of the church had become about us and our own works, had become about what we want, had become about money and ignoring the poor. In short, the, true, the church truly had strayed from the grace, the truth, and the life that was in Jesus Christ. So when Luther nailed that 95 Theses to the door and all that followed, he wasn't finding something new in this act. Instead, he had found what had always been lost, what had been before. And so it's fitting that today as we gather, we remember and we give thanks and we draw ourselves back to that truth that is in Jesus Christ. Especially when we live in a time where seems so much seems to be up in the air as to what truth really is. Truth is relative. Truth doesn't matter. Truth is what works for us. The truth can be changed. And if there's all these things that are distracting us and demanding our attention, labeled as the most important thing that you'll ever hear or know of all time, the ding of a text message that we're like Pavlov dogs, right? It goes off and you run immediately to see who it is. This instinctive desire to have our hands and fingers being connected to all that would distract us instead of taking the time to fold our hands in prayer or to reach out and serve in love, we gather together today as the church to go back to that substance, that core of who we have learned we are in Christ Jesus. The truth, because the truth of Jesus Christ does not change, but has remained the same from the very beginning. And today, because I didn't get to preach to you last week, I'm going to do two different texts. It's on the back of your order of service there. We're going to look at one from Romans and one from John. But I feel that both texts are needed today because both texts are unchangeable and are foundational. And both texts remind and speak and proclaim truth. So our first text today comes from Romans chapter 3. So if you bought your Bibles out, that's Paul's letter to the Romans. We're going to start in Romans chapter 3, then mark a little bit back or before in John chapter 8 as we'll be there as well. But this is what we've got from Romans chapter 3. And as always, you know, you can follow along with me on the screens. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sights by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. What Paul is doing here is he's giving you a summary of the two previous chapters that he wrote. Each of us, young and old, regardless of who we are, have been born under the law, and none of us, not even if you're a tiny baby or an old man, have kept it. He's not saying here that the law is to blame or that the law in itself is bad or wrong or that the law of God is harmful. Instead, he's saying it is us, the ones who do not keep it, us who are full of sin that are the ones responsible for evil and stand condemned for the harm that we have done to each other, to ourselves, and to this world. He talks about here in that last line how the law works then, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, right? The way we are to live works as a mirror. You look at it and see that your face is dirty. But he's reminding you here that the mirror, the law, does not give you the power to clean yourself. Just hearing that you are to go and do something isn't going to be enough to make you clean or even enough for you to be able to do it. 
He's saying here that the law shows you that you are in need of being cleaned. He continues and says, but now apart from the, right, the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting, it is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, if you're like myself and Captain Barbosa, you might have said, a lot of long words in there, matey. We're nothing but humble disciple pirates. Let's break down a few of these words, friends. Look at back in, uh, I even, I think I put them in yellow. Very good. Yeah, righteousness, right? To be righteous is to be perfectly just and holy according to God's standards. And that first two lines right there, Paul is saying, if you thought that reading the law and the prophets and living according to the commandments could make you righteous or holy, you're wrong. It's impossible. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he's also reminding that those prophets and that law that you are looked to is testifying not to put your hope in the law, but to put your hope in the one sent from God, Jesus. Righteousness that being made right with God is given by faith in Jesus Christ. We, through faith and by His grace, His mercy, on account of what Jesus has done for us, have now been made right with God by His death and His resurrection. He is telling you that there is no other way that you can be made right with God apart from Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it, chase it, buy it, anything. It is only given to you in Jesus then there's the, the word justified. Justified is an American neo-Western crime drama television that premiered in 2010 on the FX networks. It's based on Elmore Leonard's series starring Timothy, am I reading this right? Hold, tough deputy U.S. Marshal enforcing his own brand of justice? Two of you are smiling. I'll take that as a win. No, I want justification. Justification here where God declares sinners to be just or righteous for Jesus' sake saying that Christ took our sins to the cross and that God gives Christ's righteousness, the righteousness that he had, being one without sin who went to the cross on our behalf. His sinless and holy life is now given to us. Justified here is a courtroom term, meaning that the judge, God himself, looks at us and declares us not guilty, not because of what we have done, but because what Jesus Christ has done for us. Redemption, which has to do with being freed here, is when someone pays that price. Maybe you're thinking, what do you have to pay in order to free a slave or a captive? In this case, freedom was not paid with silver or gold, but with the innocent suffering and death of Jesus. The terms justified and redeemed speak to us who are in need of being saved. So Paul refers again in verses 25 and 26 to Jesus as the sacrifice of atonement, the once and, all, once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. 
Remember in John chapter 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus come in and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All of the animal sacrificial system had been a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for us once and for all. His death is the ultimate sacrifice that takes away the sins that have happened before and the sins after, all in Jesus. And then there's that last big word, forbearance, meaning mercy, meaning patience, so that others could be saved. How long are you willing to endure? How long would you be willing to suffer to know that one more might come to know Jesus Christ? God has seen it all and declared that there are more to be saved more to be saved in the name of Jesus. At Him alone, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all to the glory of God the Father. We see these longer words, and we have this desire to unpack them, this knowledge, right? So then we can understand. But when we look only for the big words and this trying to break it down, we miss this big shift in our passage that actually moved us from the hopelessness of before where we were condemned in our law to the righteousness we have in Christ Jesus. And it came in two little words here in verse 21. But now. But now. God does something new. And I love the idea that Paul writes, but now, right? Because Jesus had been crucified before. So why does he use a present tense? He's directing our attention to the present tense because we're not dealing with something that was done in the past and has no influence on us now. This is not a glance back to a once upon a time or some history lesson. This is right now in this very moment. God declares something to us that we need to hear and something that is meant for us here today. A message that connects our lives and is meant to be lived and cherished and celebrated every moment. Not just big, fancy theology and words, but an essential truth that matters to us now, that grounds us and unchanges no matter what happens in our lives. The defining moment of Christ on the cross moves throughout history into us now and says, this is who you are. You are those that have been justified freely on account of Christ Jesus by grace through faith in a time where it's hard to know what anyone means or believes or what is even true. We have been declared right with God for all time in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to jump back to John 8 here, where Jesus is having this exact same conversation with the people in his day, with the Pharisees and the other Jews who had been following him along. And Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, maybe you've heard some lessons from this text, like tell your truth and then you won't get in trouble. Don't tell a lie and everything will be fine. But when we say, let the word say what it says, rather than take this truth that we're hearing here and turn it into some moral response, what we're seeing is Jesus talking about something else. Jesus is asking you to elevate your minds, to open your hearts, to not look at yourself for what you need, to not look at yourself to find truth, to not look at the other things that are happening in this world to try to define truth, but to see beyond and to look simply to Him. The truth in Jesus is that we don't have to do everything. The truth in Jesus is that it's not up to you to bear the weight of the world and to be responsible for everything. 
The truth of Jesus is that it's not up to you to pull yourself out of the mess that your life has become and all of the sin that you have done. The truth of Jesus starts with knowing that we cannot save ourselves. The truth that sets us free is to know that we are in need of a Savior. The truth of Jesus is that it was a lie when in the garden they were told you do not need God, that you could become like God instead, that you could know the difference between good and evil and act accordingly. But it's a lie that your life is all about Friends, we hear that truth of Jesus and it's time to stop hiding behind some modern day bush thinking, what is it that we need? What is it that's missing from my life? Why am I not finding meaning and abundance and joy and all these distracting things? Why am I settling? When Jesus invites us into genuine discipleship and by his truth will take you deeper in faith. The truth is that you have been freed from sin, that you have been freed from the power of the devil over your life, that you have been freed from the sting of death, that you have been freed to live, really live. And he invites you to hear that truth and to grasp it, to cling to it, to hold on to it, to embrace the truth that was made flesh and walked around among us to have your very lives transformed by ascending to him, by coming to him in his word, to let his word, like in Colossians, take root, mature in you, to manifest, to live, to have your very being in Jesus, to know him, to fall down on your knees and say, I want you, Jesus. I only want you. I am tired of this insatiable thirst to find meaning in everything else. I'm coming back to you, to your truth, to your word, to hear your voice. Only you can set me free. Amazingly, these, these Jews heard this, and they looked at Jesus in verse 33 and answered him saying, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you promise us this freedom? How can you talk about truth here? This is an amazing disregard of their past and their current situation. They are so blinded that they have forgotten that they have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, Assyria, Babylon, the time of judges when they were slaves for 10 years here, 15 years there, 20 years, their current occupation under Rome. They refused to hear the truth and were so blinded that they couldn't even open up their eyes and see the soldiers surrounding them. And they respond this way saying, we're not slaves to anybody. They have become satisfied with how dysfunctional and how horrible everything is. They say, we're not slaves. What are you talking about? And amazingly, Jesus doesn't even correct them or stick it to them for being so wrong about their past because they're so focused on this earthly level. He's saying, I'm speaking deeper here to your spiritual plight. Your opinion, your own truths, claiming Abraham as your ancestor and as your father, as that is your hope, is so wrong that you have missed the truth. Choosing other truths as more important than the Word of God. Other truths more important than God Himself. 
and inventing systems of playing along and worshiping God, not in truth, but in word, of going through the motions. Saying we don't need real light when we can have artificial light that probably will be just as good for the time being. There's no real need to become a deeper disciple because I think pretending will be enough for me. No need to listen to real truth because I'm doing fine on my own with what I have. And I certainly have no need to be in a real relationship with someone I can't see or serve others who don't have it as good as me. This is about feeling good. That's the slavery that Jesus is talking about a self-centered slavery, a missing the truth. So he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, to their own desires, to their own way of thinking, to their own way. And at the heart of all those sinful actions is this rejection of God's truth and the elevation of our own. Separation. And Jesus calls that slavery. Jesus calls that loss. And he looks at us and says, you can't get away from that. On your own, you cannot do it. And that is hard to hear, this brokenness that you cannot make yourself good enough for God, that you can never be good enough to earn love, that he doesn't leave us as slaves. 35, he says, a slave has no place, but the son belongs forever. And if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. I read this text, and all I could think of is I'm tired of being a slave to sin. I don't want to reject God. I don't want to be separated from Him. I don't want to be wondering where I stand, always thinking, am I going to be good enough? Is this all that my life is ever going to be? Am I just some random speck in an uncaring universe? And if I go, couldn't anybody just replace me? Constantly weighed down guilt and shame. And if you want freedom and the deeper, meaningful life, it is the Son alone who will set you free. That's the truth. That's the restorative hope of why we gather here, to hear it each and every week, that there is a gospel, that there is something more. Wretched sinner though we are, we have been made free in Jesus Christ. Not a freedom of just words, but a freedom of relationship, to abide in his word and to become his disciple. And I know that each one of us walked in here knowing that our sins are forgiven. Great, today's reformation, I'm going to hear I'm free. How will this change anything? Problems are going to still be remaining. I'm not going to just have everything wiped away by coming to church this morning. There's still going to be sin in my life, failures, and it's going to look the same as soon as I step out this door. But the truth of Jesus reminds you that yes, those may remain, but open your eyes and see more. Yes, you see sin in your life, but also see repentance and deliverance and choose which one you will give power to. Yes, you will see hurting in your life. Bring the healing of Jesus into it. 
Yes, you will see suffering all around you. Bring relief from Jesus into it. The truth is you are loved freely. You don't have to earn the love. It's been given to you. This is the truth. And knowing and hearing that, how could we ever go back to the same way? Outstretched arms have won the deliverance for us. We have been baptized into truth, baptized into His death and into His life. By the faith and power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we have received righteousness. We have been made right with God to live in a pleasing way that brings glory to His name. That power of sin that has been over you, that has been holding you back, is broken in Jesus' name. You are made free in His love, freed by His name and His works. And you're going to still make mistakes, and you're going to fall from time to time, but you will not be defined by your failure nor by your sin. You will be defined by the freedom of Christ Jesus, who on the cross looked at the sins, every single sin that you will commit, and yelled out, it is finished and done with. Every day I will now be with you and in you as the shepherd of your soul who will lead you and guide you in truth and in love and fill you with hope. For you, my child, have been set free, declared righteous and redeemed. That is your truth, your defining moment and all that you need. And so we leave here today saying, what are we going to do with this truth? Because Luther took a hammer and 95 things and nailed them to a door. And I'm telling you, fathers and mothers, that you are needed to bring that same change that he brought to the church into your families through the strengthening of your relationship with each other. Through the way that you are speaking hope into your children's lives and raising them in the faith and love of Jesus Christ. Because this is for nothing if you don't raise your children in the same way. The truth is that each one of us is needed. You can come to church or you can be the church. That's the truth today, to be invited and set freed into serving and loving and being here. Families need help. Basic help like meals and a break. And the only thing preventing that from coming is stepping forward and saying, how do I get involved? Homes are being ripped apart because instead of coming to one another and saying, forgive me for the wrong that I have done, we are choosing to isolate each other on our phones and separate from one another. The time is now to let the love of Jesus Christ overflow from us. And as the band brings themselves back up here to lead us in this worship, so we cry out and say, free us, amen. The freedom that we seek is only found in Jesus Christ. Each one of us, each one of us has been invited and called to something more. Each one of us has been given that gift of freedom in Jesus Christ. Not to take it and do whatever we want with it, but to do as we saw done for us. Today is all about Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, his word alone. Glory to God alone in the way that we live, in the way that we praise, in the way that we follow. 